Thanks so much, Aaron. Good morning, Bayside Frankston. Okay, okay cool. That's yeah, good. Take a bit to warm. It's all good. It's all good. It's so good to see you all this morning, and a big thanks to Aaron and Kate. It's so good to be with you. And I've had the chance to come and speak at Cheltenham, but it's it's cool to be at Frankston. Like this is the place to be. Um, my name's Josiah. I'm from Narry Warren. So Narry Warren uh, is famous for a lot of things. Mainly crime, but it's a, it's a really good suburb. Um, we got a Krispy Kreme donuts there too. And uh, it's really cool to be down here. Um, I'm married to a lady called Shelley, uh, my wife, my only wife. And we've been married for uh, a bit over five years. And uh, we are the youth pastors at City Life Church. And uh, it's just a joy to be with you all today. Um, I love coming to share, love coming to talk. I've got a word that I'm really passionate about. And uh, we'll jump straight into it. So if you've got your Bibles today, would you turn with me to the book of 1 Kings 1 Kings 19 and verse 19. Come on. I like that. I like that. I can do with more of that. I should bring you to my church. That was cool. I can do that all the time. 1 Kings 19, 19. We're going to read a, just a quick passage about a guy called Elisha. Elisha, who was the predecessor of Elijah, the one to follow him. And so we're going to read this story about this young guy. Um, Elijah at the time was the man of God. He was the man of the hour. He was the person that God was speaking through, speaking to. And yet here we find God appointing the successor, the person to come. And so 1 Kings 19 verse 19 says this, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. It's a good name, just there, Shaphat. Anyone looking for a baby name? Shaphat. Could get called fatty, wouldn't he? Um, son of Shaphat, he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen, ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him, went back, he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Sorry for all the animal lovers. Um... He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. I just want to uh, speak just a simple thought with you guys today uh, called Burn the Plows. And so would you pray with me this morning? God, I thank you so much for your presence in this space today, God. I thank you that here we are in Bayside, Frankston, and I thank you that your presence is here, God. I pray that today, Lord, I don't know every person in this room, I don't know their situation or their story, but you do, God. And I pray that somehow today you would do something, Lord, that I cannot do. Lord, my words on their own are broken, they're frail, they're empty, Lord. But when your spirit breathes upon them, they can become life and power. And Lord, I pray you would do that today, God. I can't do these things in my own strength. We don't want just another, Lord, just another pep talk. We don't want just some nice Christian quotes that we can chuck on Facebook to get some likes, Lord God. We want an encounter with your presence, God, because that's what changes us. That's what really makes a difference, God. And so I pray that we would encounter you today in a new way, perhaps see something about you new, and we would leave different than when we came in because of who you are and who you've called us to be. I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Well, one of the things that I've realized, my last name is Connor, and one of the things I've realized is that every person inherits things from your parents, whether you like it or not. How many people know what I'm talking about? Some of the things we choose, some of them we don't. One of the things I've inherited, you may see, is the ginger hair that Aaron uh, pointed out before. Uh, Ranger, I get called, which is from the Greek word orangutan, which means beautiful person. And... Um, any redheads in the place? Don't Google that one, by the way. Any redheads? Come on. My people, my people, I love you all. Um, we're actually going extinct. Did you know that, Aaron? 
It's true. So again, if in any single redheads, make sure you know for the other single people, lock them down. They are they they're going to be a really good specimen. Um, but I love I love being a redhead, and I inherited that from my dad. One of the other things I inherited is my height. You may see I'm a bit taller than most, and I uh, didn't choose that. People sometimes come up to me and say, "Gosh, you're tall." I never quite know how to respond to that. You know, thank you <laughs> for the you know, sorry. You know, like um. But I'm tall, I can't help it. And uh, one of the things I've also inherited from my parents, uh, particularly from my dad's side, is this, I'm a very decisive person. Um, my family is a very, we don't mess around, we make a decision, we're always on the move. In fact, our heritage back to Scotland, we have a clan. I don't know, it just sounds awesome to say I'm part of a clan. Um, I, I picture them like Vikings, but they probably were more like hobbits. But um, I, have a, I have a clan that goes back to Scotland, and our, our family clan motto we found out the other day was always ahead or always on the move. And that'll make sense because I'm just going to quickly explain a story about how me and my wife uh, came together. Um, when I first laid eyes on my... Uh, she wasn't my wife then, but uh, on my wife, uh, I was 20 years old. She was 24, four years older. Cougar Town. Um, great place to live. And it's... Uh, uh, I remember I just, you know, as a young guy, saw this lady and I just thought, wow, she's a good-looking girl. And, uh, you know, some people, when they see a good-looking girl, you know, they do the whole, you know, God, if this is your will, like, I need a sign. Like, I need 20 signs. I need a, a voice. I need, like, a rainbow. I need her to like all my Facebook posts. Like, you know, they have certain things where they're like, God, unless this all lines up, I'm not going to ask her. I'm a little bit different. I'm more of a God. I'm going to go ask her out. And unless you stop me, I'm going to say it's your will. You know what I'm saying? So, I don't know. Again, the theology is still in progress, you know what I mean? But uh, I saw her, I walked over, I said, will you go out with me? And um, she said, yes, uh, she's only human. And um, that was a joke, it was a joke. And so we started dating, we started dating, and uh, it was amazing. Three weeks, again, we don't mess around, three weeks was all she could take before she said she loved me. She said it first. Um, She's only human, I know. Um, I said it back to her too, by the way, I'm not a monster. I was like, yes, I love you too. And so three weeks, again, three weeks into the relationship, no messing around. But three months into the dating, again, so we, things are going well, things are going great. My dad calls me up, says, Josiah, we need to talk. I was worried. Uh, he, he said, and I know it was serious because he said, we need to go out for dinner. And where do you go when you want to have a serious talk? He took me to Pancake Parlor on Warrigal Road. <laughs> so I'm sitting down at Pancake Parlor looking at my dad. And he's, he started, and he's talking while cutting his pancakes like this. He looks at me, he says, again, again, this is not me talking before you just, you know. Um, he says, Josiah, again, we've been dating three months. He says, Josiah, you and Shelly have been dating for a while now. I said, what? <laughs> he's cutting his pancakes. He said, now again, I didn't say this. He said, she's, she's 24 at the time. He said, she's getting a bit old. <laughs> I didn't say this again. <laughs> Any emails, aaron.mckillop at Bayside. Um, <laughs> He's kind of thinking, so he said, you guys have been dating for a while now. She's getting a bit old. She's probably waiting for someone to ask a question. And he did like a head bob, like a gangster, like he was doing this. And so I'm sitting there with pancakes. I'm going, he's bribing me with pancakes, basically saying, why haven't you asked this girl to marry you three months into the relationship? And so again, again, I prayed about it. And uh, one month later, not because my dad said so, I just want to make it very clear, but I did ask her to marry me. She said yes. And five months after that, we were married. So, so from where to go, nine months, again, again, we're kind of men, when we see a good woman, we lock her down. Someone's waiting for a word from God, lock her down. You know, like, like it's, it's, let's, let's, anyone want to receive that? We'll work on that. No elbows. Um, 
But again, again, it, you know, we don't mess around. We saw it. I, I wanted it. It was, it was amazing. But I did have that moment right before I asked Shelly to marry me. I had the ring in my hand. And have you ever had those moments, you know, those crossroad moments where you know it's like a line in the sand imaginary, and you know that the minute you step over that, everything's going to change. You know those moments like there's no turning back from this. And there's no like, oh, can I get a refund? Like there's no changing on this moment. And I had that moment where I'm sitting there and even though I knew this was the girl for me, even though I knew this was going to be amazing, I still had doubts. What's going on? Four months, what was in the pancakes? Like I'm freaking out in that moment. I'm freaking out in that moment. But I knew even though I had a few questions, I knew that this was the right thing to do. But there was those crossroad moments. And the truth is we all have crossroad moments. You know those moments in life, whether it's maybe a job, maybe it's a relationship, maybe it's your career, maybe it's out coming out of studies, maybe it's just with your walk with God. We have those moments where there are lines that have been drawn in the sand, and we know that the minute we step over, everything changes. And one of the things I've realized about God is He is a God who is always calling us into more. Have you noticed that? Just when you think like, God, I've surrendered everything to you, I've given all to you, He goes, yeah, but now I want that. And you're like... God, what's going on? In fact, one of the things I've realized about our God is he'll draw a line in the sand and you'll step over and he'll go, great, now I want you to come and I want to call you into more. And he'll draw another line in the sand. He's constantly calling us into more because until we give all that we have to God, we cannot experience all that he has for us. And one of the things I want to just really speak in today is I believe that today for many people is going to be a crossroad moment in your walk with God. I don't know where you are when it comes to your walk with God. Maybe for you today, you know what, the minute I say crossroad moment, you know exactly what I'm talking about. There's something in your life you can point to it right now. I know something's about to change. Maybe for some of you, you did step out. You trusted God. You gave everything to Him. You surrendered to Him, but it didn't go the way you thought it would. And so you're sitting on the back of your saying, Josiah, yeah, talking about crossroad moments, mate, uh, that didn't work out well for me. And my prayer is that today, maybe in some way, not to belittle what happened, but my prayer is that maybe today, God, through his spirit, would shake off some of that dust, would pick you back up and say, it's time to walk, it's time to believe again, it's time to step out in faith. Or maybe today, this whole God thing is new to you, and you're sitting back, and you're just kind of like, all right, you're talking about crossroad moments, but I haven't even decided to follow Jesus. Maybe today, beyond just myself, beyond just the singers that have been up here today, beyond all of that, you would realize that there is a God who loves you, who has a plan for you, and whose way is so much better than anything this world has to offer. Crossroad moments happen all the time in life. Last year, one of my favorite movies from the uh, year was a movie called Interstellar. Um, for those that are unsure, it's a movie, I'm not really sure what happened. You know those movies, you get to the end of it, and, and your mate goes, you know what happened, and you don't want to look like the idiot, so you're like, yeah, 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 I was, oh man, yeah, Ooh, and the space and the stars. Um, I don't know what happened, but one of the things I loved in the movie, um, God spoke to me halfway through it. God speaks to me in funny ways, but Matthew McConaughey is the main character of this movie, and he's sitting on a porch, and basically the human race is about to be extinct, and he says this powerful line. He says, we as human beings used to look up at the stars in the sky and wonder about our place in the universe. Now we just look down and wonder about our place in the dirt. And it was a profound statement because it was like God was speaking to me saying, Josiah, that's what so many people do. 
Human beings, and especially followers of Jesus, we were created to have our eyes lifted to the heavens, believing God for more, expecting for more, called to step out into more. But so often we have our eyes lowered, just trying to make ends meet, just trying to survive, just trying to go through the motions. And one of the simple thoughts I want to share with you today is that we as the church are not just called to be excavators of what God has done in the past, but to be explorers of what he is yet to do in the future. We are not called to be excavators of what he has done. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Don't, get me, don't hear what I'm not saying. But if we're not careful, you, we can almost adopt this armchair Christianity where we sit in chairs and we go, remember when? Remember when? And don't get me wrong, remember when is awesome. God has done great things. Remember those prayer meetings. Remember that space. Remember that move of God. Remember when is wonderful. But I've got a news for some people here today. I want to remind some people here today that the same God that was there in the past and doing extraordinary things is still here in our present and is calling us into even greater things in the future. The church is not called just to be excavators of what he has done, but explorers of what he is yet to do. And just for these few moments, I just want to reflect on that passage we read earlier about Elisha and how you and I can step out and live this life of exploration. Because I'm believing that for Bayside Frankston. I'm believing, you know, you guys have been going for 10 years. I think that's so awesome. But I got news for you. I believe that God has so much more. I believe that he's calling you. Hey, don't get comfortable. Don't just go, oh, this is great, 10 years. No, no, no. Let's step out. Let's keep exploring. Let's keep believing that there are many people out there who need to be in here. I just want to just reflect just for these next few moments about how we can live this life of exploration. You see, one of the first things you need to do is if you want to step out to this life of exploration is you need to realize that you are called. You are called. Elisha, when we read this story, is in a very unique situation. The Bible says that he was driving oxen, and it says there were 12 pairs, 24 oxen, and he was behind the 12th pair. Now, again, I don't want to get too crass in church today. Suffice to say, oxen are big, and they make a lot of, what can we say? Mess. Let's, let's stick with that. That's very safe. Mess. They make a lot of mess. And the Bible says Elisha was behind 12 pairs of them. His life from waking to dusk was to sit behind these 12 pair and just ride along. Things in the face. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, he had no OHS or no like little masks or no like nice little things. He would have sat behind this pair. And again, he didn't have nice little holidays like us. He didn't have Centrelink to call on the phone to get some nice, you know, extra money. No, no. His life, six days a week, he would wake up, hop behind a pair of oxen, and just drive these fields. Just mess everywhere. Wake up. Go back, shower, go to sleep, wake up, do it again. Six days a week, he would do that. If there was ever someone who thought, God, what are you doing? God, where are you in this? All I see is mess. All I see is dirt around me. What is going on? In fact, there's some people here today that you can go, I can relate to that guy. I don't know about the line in the sand part, but all I see is mess around me right now. All I see is this stuff around me. I mean, his life, he would have had those moments where he thought, God, is this what you've called me to do? Is this my existence? Is this my journey? Is this my walk just to sit behind 12 pairs? But what he didn't realize, and what I want to encourage some people here today, some people here today, your whole world right now, all you just see is mess around you. 
And I just really want to just encourage you, some people, if you're going through a mess, I just believe God just wants to encourage you, just keep walking. Just keep holding on to him because our God is the great architect, the grand weaver who can work all things together for good. And what you don't realize, you might not be able to see it in the natural, but he is at work. And what Elisha didn't realize was that God was at work even in the midst of that situation. And so if you're here today and you're in that space, just keep going, just keep holding on. Because on this one particular day, Elisha hopped onto this space and the Bible says that Elijah came to his field. Can you imagine being on that plow as Elijah? Because unlike Elisha, Elijah was a man who was called. He was anointed. He was gifted. He was the one who God was speaking through. He was the one that God was using. Elijah walked up to him. The Bible says Elijah didn't say a word. He just came up to him, took a cloak and threw it around his shoulders. And in an instant, Elisha's whole journey changed. In an instant, he went from a man who had no calling, who had a calling. In an instant, he went from a man who had power, anointing, and responsibility. Because you see, in the Bible times, a cloak was so much more than just a cloak. A cloak was a symbol of authority. A cloak was a symbol of purpose. A cloak was a a symbol of anointing of the Spirit of God. A cloak was a symbol of, of someone who was sent by God. So the minute that Elisha has this cloak thrown around him, his whole situation changes. And can I just just pause, because this is really exciting. Again, the Bible doesn't say that he cleaned himself up before he got the cloak around him. Notice that in the middle of the field, sweaty and dirty, he had this cloak thrown around him. You see, so many people think they need to get themselves cleaned up before God can use them. I got news for you. This is really going to offend a few people, but I'm okay. You can't clean yourself up. You can't do it. We've been trying to do it for so long i got good news for you. You don't need to clean yourself up in order to be used by God because you can't. But if you come to God, he will clean you up and use you in the process. You see, you don't need to get yourself all fixed up because you can't fix yourself up, but God can fix you up. You come to him and he can use you. The extraordinary thing is that even in the mess, the cloak went around him. And the extraordinary thing is that Elisha then had a call from God. And you see, one of the things I've realized is so many Christians are waiting on a call from God that's already happened. Here's the extraordinary thing. When Jesus went to the cross, he said, it's good that I go because there will be one coming after me who through him you will do greater things than I did. Bible says in in Acts chapter 1, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you receive the gift that I promised. Bible says in Acts chapter 2, all the disciples were in an upper room and the Holy Spirit came like fire. And who did the fire descend upon? How many people? All of them. Every single one of them, doesn't matter if they were rich or old, man or woman, Jew or Gentile, it didn't matter who they were, everyone received the Spirit of God. The Bible says that the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in every single person who believes in Jesus. I've got good news for someone here today. If you believe in Jesus, you don't need to wait for the calling. The calling is already with you. The calling is already in you, in the person of the Holy Spirit. You don't need to wait on a phone call to, to be able to give, be given permission. God already gives you permission through His Holy Spirit. If I can go just a little bit deeper with it. What's extraordinary you see in the scriptures is you see throughout the Bible, whenever God uses a man or woman of God, they will do great things, but the one who comes after them will do even greater. You see, Moses does extraordinary things. He receives a word from God. He's this amazing priest, but he receives this God to go into the promised land. But who goes into the promised land? Joshua the one who comes after him. Elijah was this extraordinary prophet, did incredible things, but who was the one who did even twice as many miracles? Elisha. David was an extraordinary king. A man after God's own heart said, I want to build a temple for you, but who built the temple? 
Solomon, the one who came after it. And here's where it gets even crazier. When Jesus comes on the scene, how many people know that Jesus was the one who Moses was pointing to? He is the true Moses. How many people know that Jesus was the one who David was pointing to? He was the real king. And how many people know Jesus was the one Elijah was pointing to? He was the true prophet. But here's the extraordinary thing. If Jesus did great things, who did he pass his cloak of anointing to? If he did great, you are called to do greater. Stop waiting on a call that's already happened. Every single one of you, if you believe in Jesus, and even if you don't today, I've got good news for you. You can make a decision today that will forever change your walk. Every single person, no exceptions, is gifted and called to be used by God. If you want to live this life of exploration, not just excavating what God has done, but exploring is what he's yet to do, you need to understand that you are called. But secondly, you need to be an arsonist. Now bear with me in this. I'm from Nary Warren. I know Frank's an arsonist. That might not, you might be like, whoa, what's going on for a second, you know? Just bear with me. I remember, uh, it, I remember when um, one of our youth pastors uh, for a, the year 12s, um, year 12s are coming. Any year 12s in the room? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was like a, because the next few months are going to be interesting, you know what I'm saying? We'll pray with you later. Because um, year 12s are coming into the crunch time right now. I mean, it's the crazy season. And I remember our year 12 leader a few years back, you know, when, when the year 12s had finished all their exams, they said, hey, we should do something to celebrate. I mean, usually, you know, you know year 12s have muck-up day. They go crazy. And he said, let's do something at youth. So he said, you know what we're going to do? At youth, we're going to have a bonfire. And we're going to burn anything you want from your school days. Some of your parents are like, mm, 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 mm. Yeah, you get it. You get it. Now, again, good intentions. Again, all, good, all youth leaders have good intentions. It's very important you hear that, good intentions. doesn't mean good execution, but good intentions. So he had this bonfire. He said, bring whatever you want. We're going to burn it. So these kids brought everything, and I mean everything. I mean like uniforms, the textbooks, whole, like, like I'm talking. And, and for those parents here today, you're just like, you're white right now because you're like, those textbooks, again, you sell a few of them, you could buy a house. Like those things are like, you know what I mean? That's like a mortgage right there. And these kids are just like, wee, throwing these books on there. Like we could have kept the books and made a lot of money. But um, again, again, even though we look at them, we go, what's, you guys are crazy. I actually, I love the fact that year 12s, when it comes to the end of their school, they want to do something to mark the fact that they're no longer a student anymore. And even though schoolies and these things, you know, they seem a bit crazy. The truth is the reason that people do these things is because they want to commemorate the fact that something's changed. They're no longer in high school anymore. So they, again, these guys were burning everything. But the truth is what they were really saying was, I'm no longer a student anymore. Something has changed and I'm now stepping into something different. Now, notice what happens in this story. It's, it's, it's almost comical. Elijah comes up to him, throws a cloak around him. And it says that Elisha starts to follow him. And then he says, and notice this, Elisha says, let me go back and say bye to my mom and dad. And Elisha says, of course you, Elijah says, of course you can. You can go do what you've got to do. But notice that he doesn't go back to his mom and dad. Can you imagine being Elijah as this young cat's like, hey man, I'm just going to go say bye to my mom and dad. You're like, dude, no worries. That'll take what, like three minutes? Four hours later, you start seeing smoke in the sky. And here comes this young man just like covered in blood, just like, all right, let's go. I'm ready to go. Like you'd be thinking, is this a horror movie? Who is this kid? Who have I just anointed? I mean, notice that God doesn't ask Elisha to burn anything. Notice that Elijah doesn't ask Elisha to burn anything. Why would Elisha burn the plows and kill all the oxen? You see this powerful thing that he's doing in that moment. You see the oxen in their day was not just any old oxen. The oxen was his source of income. That was his work. 
So when he kills all of those oxen, I'm sorry for all the RSPCA lovers here, but when he kills all those oxen, what he's literally doing, it's the equivalent to emptying your bank account and throwing it off a building. He's literally killing every source of income. Again, again, what they would do, those oxen would be passed from generation to generation. They would have been there amassed over years. And when Elisha kills them all, he's basically going, I got no money, money more. Here's my whole bank account. You take it. He's killed it. It's, what's even more, though, is he then goes and burns his plows. Now, the plows are like his business. That's the equivalent of taking your business. If you're a business owner here today, it's like taking your business and putting it on eBay for zero dollars. If anyone would like to do that, I'll buy it now. But he's basically saying, money, gone. My business, gone. And then he says, I'm ready to go. Notice this now. If he would have kept the oxen, if he would have kept the plows, he would have had a backup plan. He's got nowhere to come back to now. By killing it and letting go of these things, he's literally saying, I'm all in. Nothing is going to bring me back. I've got nothing to go back to. He surrenders everything. In other words, if, if times get tough, well, it doesn't matter because I've got nothing to go back to. Oh, if this Elijah turns out to be a crazy cat, which he did, he still says, I got nothing to go back to. No matter what my future holds, all I know is that from this moment on, my past is burnt. It is gone. It is dead. And I'm stepping into the future. And I'm here today to say that for some of us here today, we need to set fire to some plows. There's some things in our life. They're not necessarily bad. Sometimes plows are not, again, notice this. It's not, sometimes they're obvious things like a struggle, an addiction, something that's holding or weighing us down. Sometimes they're just good things that have gotten in the way. How many people know that too much of a good thing can become a God thing and any God thing other than God is an idol? Sometimes we need to set fire to some of these things. I don't know what that represents for you today, but what I do know is that God is calling us. If we want to live this life of exploration, if we want to step into the future that God has for us, we can't do that while holding on to the past. You can't have your foot in both camps. Oh God, I trust you, but I've got this kind of backup plan. No, no, no. All throughout the scriptures, when God calls people, you have to let something go. Jesus comes to the fishermen. The Bible says they left their nets and they followed him. Jesus calls Levi at a tax collector's booth. He leaves his booth. Again, if you want to follow God, you need to let some things go. I don't know what that represents for you. For me, one of the things I had to let go and set fire to was my last name. One of the things I realized being a pastor's kid is that people have expectations on you. Connor, here we go. From a young age, I didn't know it. I was born into a space of expectation where people, from the, as young as I can remember, go, you'll be a pastor one day. And again, when you're four, you're not thinking about being a pastor one day. You're thinking like, how can I escape this place? You're thinking, how can I break things? Um, real deep stuff. Even when I was in school, I had people saying, you know, you need to be acting different because of your last name. And one of the things I realized, again, I'm not ashamed of my last name, but one of the things I realized is my last name had become something that was actually weighing me down. And I realized, again, my granddad was a pastor. My dad was a pastor. Now I'm stepping into it. But before I could even step into it, I actually had to set fire to the expectations of others and say, God, I'm not called. I love my dad, but I'm not called to be my dad. 
I love my granddad, but I'm not called to be my granddad. I learn from them. I listen to them. I say, tell me everything, but I want to be the person God's called me to be, not what others have told me to be. So I had to set fire to the expectations of others. doesn't mean that I don't care what people say, but I, it matters what he says more than what people says. And so I'm trying to live my life from that perspective. But I, the only way I can do what I do now is by setting fire to those expectations. I don't know what it is today for you today, but my encouragement for some people here today is maybe for you it's a literal thing. You need to cut something off. You need to let something go. But whatever it is, I believe that if you want to step into the future, you're going to have to burn some things from the past. Sometimes even letting go of the past is letting go of what we think church should be. One of the things I realized, you know, when I was in, growing up in church, we used to have all the elders on the, on the stage. For those who don't know what elders are, they're like kind of the you know, just the, the most important people in the church. And they used to sit on stage in our church. Again, it was just a tradition. It was passed on. Nothing wrong with it. But what was hilarious is there was our chief elder to the right. And everyone, whenever someone was preaching, they would watch the chief elder. And if they were like nodding, they were like, yeah, it's a good message. And there was once when they fell asleep. <laughs> you imagine how that, that preacher didn't preach again. Um, now, again, again, nothing wrong with having elders on the stage. But when when dad took over the church, he said, you know what? Let's put the elders on the front row. You know, they can sit there. They don't need to be on the stage. Now, people were freaking out. What are you doing? What's going on? But what he was doing, he was saying, there's nothing wrong with this, but it's just a new season now. I don't think the elders want to be on stage while someone's preaching. So we sat them on the front row and things moved on. My mum, uh, when she first wore jeans to the church, and some of you are going, what do you mean? I wear jeans all the time. Hey, you wear jeans because people sacrifice. <laughs> Some of you, some of, some of the ladies, you know what I'm talking about, you know, you know. So there was a day when jeans were not, were not token. You don't wear jeans in church, ladies. You know, you wear a long dress, you know what I'm saying? You, ladies, are the recipient of women who fought for jeans. And you should be grateful because <laughs> there are some churches you still can't do that. But that's another story. But the point I'm simply making is our expectation of what church is, is great. But let's not ever forget that all we do, this is just a platform for the real thing to take place, which is encountering God's presence. God can do that through jeans or no jeans. God can do that with suits and ties or no suits and ties. God can do that through hymns or through the dance music. It, it, these things are secondary. Let's make sure we don't get them in the way because our focus should be on God. Sometimes we need to set fires to what we say, oh, church should be like this. No, maybe it should, maybe it shouldn't. But look, don't ever get it in a way. All these things are just a system and God can use any system as long as it's moldable and flexible. Thirdly and finally, uh, just as the band comes up, uh, if we want to live this life of exploration, stepping out into what God has called us to do, uh, we need to recognize, yes, that we are called. Secondly, we need to be arsonists. But thirdly, I believe we need to be uncertainly certain. What do I mean by that? You know, when Elisha stepped out to follow Elijah, he didn't know that everything was going to work out. It's not like when Elisha stepped out, he went, hey, let's read the rest of 1 Kings. What does the Bible say? Oh, wow, that's cool. Oh, this is amazing. I do awesome things. Of course I'm going to. He didn't have that. I mean, we'd like that, wouldn't we? But the truth is when he stepped out to follow Elijah, he had no promise or guarantee that everything was going to work out. The only guarantee was that God's presence would be with him. You know, on the way here today, I used an incredible thing to get here. It's called an iPhone. It's a great gift of God. God made iPhones and said, be fruitful and multiply. So they did and there's the success coming soon. 
I love, I love using maps on my iPhone. The other day, actually, I was looking in my car. I found this antique. You may have heard of it. It's called a Melways. Have you heard of these things? <laughs> Who remembers reading them? Like, you know, flicking a hundred pages and you're like looking at it, what angle? <laughs> God bless Melways. And if you still use them, hey, that's awesome. We got prayer for you later. But um, I love my maps now. Like I sit there with my maps out and, and it's amazing. Like, like maps tells me everything. Turn left in 300 meters. And you know what I love about maps? Like even when I get it wrong, it's so nice to me, unlike my wife, you know, like it's so like, you know, it's like it's you turn. Like she doesn't say anything about my mistakes. She's just lovely. She's soothing. She just gets me, you know. Me and my wife are good, by the way, but just, you know. Wouldn't it be great if God had a GPS? Like if your whole life was mapped out like this, like, hey, you know everything that's going to happen in the next like 10 years. It'd be amazing. In one week, you are coming to a life-altering decision. You are going to meet the potential future husband. Choose now or forever hold your peace. You're like, how good would that be? In three weeks, your child will do something that will annoy you. You have a choice. I mean, it'd be great if life had that, but the truth is God doesn't give us a GPS. When we step out to follow God, He doesn't answer every question and have every little line, every detail followed up for us. In fact, one of the things I've realized is that God is far less interested in giving us directions. He simply just gives us a destination. Why does He give us a destination over directions? Can I tell you why? Because if we have all the directions, we don't need Him. If we have every detail, every turn, every corner worked out, we don't need God. But if we only have a destination, how many people know you need God every step of the way? See, the reason that God only gives us a destination is because He wants to walk with us and journey with us in relationship every step of the way. And I just feel there's some people here today, you have a dream in your heart. You have something that God is calling you into. That crossroad moment, you know what it is, but you're just so uncertain. You got so many questions. And I got good news for you. You're not alone. Join the club. Oh, but I'm too young. Join the club. I'm a redhead. Join the club. What if people don't agree with me? Join the club. What if people think it's a crazy idea? Join the club. What if it doesn't work out the way I want it to? You won't get certainty in this life, but there's one certainty that I can guarantee you, and that is Emmanuel, God with us. He will be with you every step of the way. And for someone here today, you just need to be, you just need to know. doesn't mean that when you step over that line, everything's going to be figured out, but you you can have assurance and confidence. God will be with you. Just right now, I just love to just pray for some people. Again, just a simple thought today. God has called us to live a life of exploration, I believe. Not just excavating what He has done, but exploring what He is yet to do. I just really felt just to pray for some people. The first group of people I just really wanted to pray for are those who are here today, and maybe you've never made a decision to step out and follow Jesus. Again, if you're here today, you need to know you're in good company. Maybe you're here today and just as I've been talking, you've been going, I don't get it. I don't understand all these things. But all I know is this life you're speaking about, just I want to be part of that. How do I be part of that? The good news is 
The book Bible says in Romans 10, if anyone confesses with their mouth and believes in their heart that Jesus is Lord, they will be saved. You say, well, what does that mean? It means acknowledging that the way you go in your own strength is not going anywhere. And it means saying, God, my directions, my life, everything I have, I'm placing in your hands and I'm going your way and I believe in Jesus. That's all it is. Repentance is not this crazy thing. People sometimes hear the word repent and we freak out. Oh, not repentance. Because you picture maybe someone on Flinders Street on a box yelling through a megaphone. When Jesus said repent, it wasn't an angry thing. It was a hopeful thing. The word repent literally means to turn away. To turn from the path you were going to the path that He's called you to go. I use this metaphor. So you, some of you may have heard me use it before. I want you to imagine with me that we need to hop on a bus today. Pastor Aaron's driving. And we decide we're going to drive all the way to Sydney. Don't know why. Melbourne's so much better. But again, it's an imaginary thing. We hop on a bus. You all fall asleep, including me. Eight hours later, we open our eyes to discover to our shock and horror that we're not in Sydney. In fact, there's a sign that says you're about to enter Adelaide. Now you're heartbroken. Because not only is Sydney bad, but Adelaide's the worst. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> there's always someone from Adelaide who comes up. He's like, it's not the worst. It's a metaphor, but it's the worst. Um, so now you're in Adelaide. Now here's the thing. We think repentance is Pastor Aaron going, oh my gosh, I've gone the wrong way. And he just starts banging his head on the steering wheel. He starts tearing his clothes and throwing things out the window. He starts shouting, I'm such an idiot. Now, how many people know, it doesn't matter how many times he bangs his head on the window. It doesn't matter how many things he throws out the window. The bus is still going towards Adelaide. See, it's not repentance until he goes, you know what? I've gone the wrong way. And he stops and he turns the bus around and begins the journey back to where he's going. That's repentance. Repentance is not shame. Repentance is not walking around in condemnation. Repentance is acknowledging you've gone the wrong way and turning the bus around. Now, how many people know when you turn the bus around, it doesn't mean you arrive in Sydney right away? Mm, yes, yeah. mm-hmm. there was an amen there. It doesn't mean you've arrived instantly. The reason I say that is because many of us have turned the bus around at different points. Maybe you turn the bus around in Geelong. You're like way ahead of everyone. God bless you. Maybe you turn in Adelaide. Maybe you, you're like, hey, I went a bit further. I'm in Perth. Some of you are like in the Atlantic Ocean. You know what I'm saying? And you just getting back on land is a miracle. How many people know those? that one? The point is this. It doesn't matter if you're better than the person next to you. The point is, are you closer to Jesus today than where you were yesterday? Are you taking a step towards Him or are you moving further away? Repentance is just saying, I'm going the wrong way. And we've all done that. But it's turning the bus around and saying, Jesus, I'm surrendering back to you. If you're here today and you're saying, Josiah, I want to turn the bus around. I want to get my life right with God. I want to step back to following Him. I want to pray for you today. So I've got good news for you. Today is your crossroad moment and everything can change. Can we close our eyes just right now? And again, this is nothing spooky or weird. It's just a chance to give people around you just some privacy. And if you're here today and you're saying, Josiah, would you include me in this prayer? I want to turn the bus around. I want to surrender to Jesus. I want to follow Him. Maybe you were following Him, but things have gone astray and you're saying, I need to turn the bus around. Or maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. If that's you here today, I'm not going to ask you to come down the front, but I am going to ask you just to lift your hand up just so I know who I'm praying with. So on the count of three, if that's you, just right where you are, you're saying, Josiah, would you include me in that prayer? I want to follow Jesus. On the count of three, would you lift your hand? One, two, three. Right where you are. Can you just lift your hand just so I know who I'm praying with? Wonderful. Thank you, God. Amen. Amen. 
Thank you. God, I just thank you so much for every person here today, Lord God. I thank you that your presence is walking with them. And I pray you would help us all, Lord God, to keep our eyes on you, Lord. And if we need to adjust things or turn towards you in our life, Lord, I pray you would help us to do so. And I pray for those that are here today that maybe feel a bit further from you than they'd like. I pray that you would help them, Lord God, to see that you are with them and calling them into more in the name of Jesus. And just right now, I just love to pray for those people who, you know, when I, before I, when I was talking about being uncertainly certain, I really felt that there was a number of people here today where you have something that God has placed on your heart, a dream, a step, a step of faith, and you've got a lot of uncertainty in that, but you know that God is calling you into it. I'm just really believing that today God is going to fill your life with just confidence, boldness, and clarity to know and to have the courage to step out. If you're saying, Josiah, I need prayer around that. Could you just lift your hand just so I know who I'm praying with right now? Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you hands going up. Wonderful. God, right now, I just lift up these amazing men and women. I thank you that they are called by your Spirit. I thank you that your presence is with them. And I pray that today, Lord God, whatever future lies ahead of them, Lord God, what is before them is so much greater than what is behind them. And I pray that you would give them courage. Spirit, right now, in the name of Jesus, would you just fill them with boldness and confidence to know that you are with them and you have appointed them for this task, God. Would you help them to step out knowing you are with them, even in the midst of uncertainty, Lord God. Would you strengthen them afresh right now? I pray in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen.